is about post hoc comparisons. So, post hoc transformations, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about post hocs. I hate post hoc comparisons. I'm going to get that out of the way. I hate them. Well, hate's strong. I question their utility. Let's go with that. Okay, so you got a significant F. Right, so you did an ANOVA, maybe you've transformed your data, maybe you haven't, I don't know. But you got a significant F value. Now what? So your original hypothesis, your HO was mu1 equals mu2 equals mu3 equals dot 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 equals mu sub k, and your alternative hypothesis is two of these are different. At least two of these are different. Which two? The alternative hypothesis doesn't tell you which two. It says at least two of these are different from each other. Wow. Now, if it's a two-group experiment, it's pretty obvious, and you're done. Write it up. Get published. Get into graduate school. Get a master's degree, PhD. Get a job. Get tenure. Get promoted. Get articles published in Nature. Become famous. Review articles for Nature. End up being asked onto the Daily Show to explain how awesome and funny your results are. My career is partway to that, but it's not, you know, that's just the trajectory I'm looking at. So the question you're asked is which two means differ from each other, or which three means differ from each other. Right? Okay. Well, there's a lot of ways to attack this. <coughs> One of them, really, I guess probably historically the first one was what was called the Bonferroni correction. And I don't know if you've had Bonferroni. It's really good, especially when they bake it. Not kidding. It's a, it's a joke. Um, this is some guy named Bonferroni who came up with this little correction. Basically, it's a t-test. Now, if you did regular t-tests, the alpha would go up. Remember the last quiz? Why don't you do a whole bunch of p-tests? Because the alpha gets high. It's in essence what you're doing here. But if you do t-tests, you can't use alpha equals 0.05. Okay? The Bonferroni t-procedure takes care of this. What it's going to look at is the number of comparisons you want to make. It then divides the alpha level of 0.05 by the number of comparisons you make for what your critical alpha level now is. Now, this is something that when you used to do these by hand, there have to be special tables as you look, what are the critical e values for when there's four comparisons, or two, or well, two is 0.05, so it's the same as the regular t table. What if it's four, or three, or seven, or nine? And you look this up. So it's one over n. Uh, and n is the number of corrections you're doing, the number of comparisons, times alpha. So if you're doing two comparisons, well, you wouldn't do two. If you're doing three comparisons, then it's one-third of 0.05. That's what your critical value becomes for a t-test. This is probably intuitively the easiest one to understand. So if we've got three groups, we've got to do three t-tests after we do the ANOVA, right? 
because we've got to compare group one to group two, group two to group three, and group one to group three. You also might look at that though and say, maybe your graph looks like here, let's put an extra bar in here. That's. You might look at this and say, oh, I really only want to do two. I don't want to do three. These aren't different. And maybe they're both control groups. So this is a uh, this is just a regular, maybe this is a rat study. This is a regular control, and this is a sham operation, and this is an operation of some sort. And in a sham control, what you often do with these experiments, you would put the rat under, but you don't do any operation on them. So you what you're doing is controlling for the effect of the anesthetic. So oftentimes you have more than one control group. You're not really interested if the sham control differs from the regular control. It doesn't matter. What matters is, does your experimental group where you did some operation, does it differ from the control group? So in that case, maybe you're only doing one. Or maybe you're doing two. You say, I'm interested in both of these. Is this, this one here, the operating group, different from the sham group and different from the control group? But are these two groups different? I don't care. So now the number of comparisons you're doing, the number of corrections is two. So it depends on the number you're actually interested in doing. If you're going to do something like that, I would just do compare this to control. Here's what the formula looks like. All it is is a t-test. It's called t-prime. That's why it's a little teardrop guy there. Little comma, little uh, apostrophe. Apostrophe is there. So it's t-prime. And it equals the first mean minus the second mean divided by 2 times the mean squared error over n. The square root of that. Well, you say, well, shouldn't it be divided by, it's a t-test. Oh, that was good. That's, that's, that's my new personal best. So a normal t-test, wouldn't it be this, right? Wouldn't that be the normal uh, denominator? Numerator, denominator. Yeah, denominator. Well, those are variance estimates. That's what that is. And we do it twice. using two times the mean squared error over n. n is the number of subjects per group. Are you saying they're basically the same? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So you do the calculation and figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. So after you've done you you have the mean squared error. So just because you did it ain't over. Now you take your two groups you're interested in, take one minus the other, divide by the square root of two times the mean squared error over n. And then you get a pretty you get a obtained p value, you look it up in a, in a special p table called the Bonferroni p table, and it says how many corrections do you have for n to the 5, and you look, and if it exceeds it, you say the groups are different. So it's, it's the only difference you're doing here is you already calculated this, and the t table you use is a different kind of t table. And of course, you don't do these by hand typically anyway. Though what I, I almost always do these by hand, because I don't know that I'm gonna, what difference I'm going to find before I do an analysis. When I get the analysis that comes up and look at it, right, and I know that you, you may run into this when we look at your, your thesis data. Um, we look at it and I'll say, oh, there's a difference there. 
just a second, I can do a t-test. I've got a calculator. And the mean square here is looking at me. The output, well, that takes some time to do it. Rather than I'll run it again, but choose the thing that I want to do. I want to run the t-procedure between these two means. It's too long. Why not just take out a pencil and a paper and a calculator? This takes, you have all the information. It involves doing a takeaway and a divided by. You know, oh, and a square root. Now, there are other approaches. There are other approaches. The Bonferroni T I like just because it's intuitively pleasing. It makes the most sense. It's a standard T test. You can also do something called the studentized range. This takes a look at, this gives you a value called Q. And this is the largest mean minus the smallest mean. So now you're looking at the whole range. Divided by the square root of the mean squared error over n. Not two times mean squared error this time, just the mean squared error. And you're looking at the largest mean minus your smallest mean. So largest minus smallest. <laughs> Again, you would not, you could do this by hand. This is so much screwing around because now we have to look something up in a Q table. And not all stats books have studentized range Q tables. So this is one of those cases where what you do is you click the option. To, you maybe, maybe would run it again. What it, and what it tells you then is it, the Q thing says, it gives you a number, and it says how far the means have to be different by to be significantly different. So it gives you a number like 3. So any two means that are different by 3 are then significantly Another one is the Newman Cools, or also called the Student Newman Cools. These are all based on t-tests, so student gets uh, uh, credit here, which is, as you know, actually gossip. But. This gives you a value called W. Again, you, I'm never going to ask you these things. I'm going to ask you what a Q is or a W. Because unless you teach stats, you don't know what these things are anyway. Honestly, you just people just say do some post hocs. So we don't really need to know that. Well, no, 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 no. Just like you know, on tests, I'm not going to have you do an analysis of variance by hand. It's just for the knowledge of reading. Yeah, it's, it's teaching. It's what I do. It's just teaching. What you do here is you get that Q value, and then you it gives you. Um, how big a range do you want? So how many means are you comparing? And then you look up 0.05, and then you get the degrees of freedom. So this is, this is a value you look up, this, the Q. And then you multiply it times the square root of the mean squared error over n. And it gives you a number called W sub r. This tells you, again, it gives you the same kind of thing. It comes out with a range, and it says any means that are different by this much. The difference with the Newman-Cools is that with the uh, studentized range, it does largest to smallest. This just does how many, like you don't want to do like three, if you have like five means and you only want to compare three of them, you can just do three. It does a smaller number of comparisons is what this does. This is probably the most common one. 
Okay. So it's any set of comparisons with a certain within a certain range. It does a smaller. It does a subset. Okay. So all comparison with a range of three. I don't know why I keep using the number three, but that's, that's what I'm talking about. So any comparisons of like three. So in a range of three. Instead of say all seven, you want to just look at three at a time. And you may want to do this because again, you've got something where I've got six control groups and two experimental groups. I'm really interested in a range in that case of three, right? Two experimental groups and a control group. I don't care if the control groups are and a lot of times in these physiological experiments, especially, you might have five and six control groups. It really does happen. You'll have a control group, a sham-operated group, an only anesthetized group. So a sham-operated group might be, so one group's only anesthetized, the sham group might be that it has its head opened, and then it has its clothes back up and sewed back on, or it's actually glued, and then it recovers. So that's three control groups right there. You're not interested in all those three. You're interested in one. Maybe you've got two control groups. You don't want to do all five or two control groups. You don't want to do all five. Who cares? You've got to do three. Uh, this also works with something called Tukey's HSD. But Tukey's HSD is similar, but it always uses the largest possible range. So it's kind of like the student size range. Tukey's HSD, HSD stands for honestly significantly different. It really, really does. What you do basically, except for the Bonferroni, which I guess, like I said, I would just do by hand if you want to do that, um, you just choose this as an option in SPSS. In fact, I believe it's called comparisons as an option, and you just click it, and it prints them all out. And usually, you hope they all agree with each other. Which one should you use? Well, even there's ones I haven't talked about. Uh, there's ones you should never use. There's one called the Shafay test. Uh, it's so conservative, that test, that even when you find significant Fs, it finds no difference between groups. Conservative's right. I mean, conservative stats, and in science in general, is a good thing. But if there's a difference there found by the Nelsonarians, I kind of want a difference between a couple of groups to show up. Right? Maybe that's just me. Uh, there's also another uh, test you'll see called the LSD, which is the least significant difference. So, frankly, what, you know, what, what I'll be honest with you, what most people do is they do all of them. <laughs> because it's easy to do. It used to be you didn't do all of them because you did them all by hand and it took time. But now what people do is they just like, yeah, do them all. Do them all. I'd stick to one in a given paper. <laughs> it makes you look a little disingenuous if you use one in the next, next experiment. You go, yeah, I decided to change over this one. Because everyone knows you decided to change because that works with your data. Does it fit with your hypothesis? You don't want to, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. I've usually used HSD when I've done analysis rates. Uh, just because it's, it's probably the most common one. Everybody understands it. Yeah. But I've used, uh, I've used SNK through student polls. Uh, you, know. you don't see Shifei tests hardly at all because they're so damn conservative. Um, you don't see a lot of Bonferroni corrections, which is odd to me because it's intuitively the most pleasing of all of them.
Questions about that? 